0: So I was go with me to Hebrews chapter five, Hebrews chapter five, how many of you've gotten some out of our meat eater series? Like you got, yeah, good. Hopefully, hopefully you have. I know it's been a challenging series. Um, if this is your first time with us this morning, I, I would encourage you to hop online get get our podcast. You can kind of uh, do the backwards version of this series. But we're closing it out today. Um, this is going to be our last one of our. Uh, meat eaters series as we look forward towards easter and uh, everything involved there but hebrews chapter uh, 5 verse 11 through 14 has been our context verse uh, really kind of where we've pulled everything out of it. and it says this about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of god you need milk every shot milk Milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food, everybody shout solid food. Solid food food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This has been the context for this whole idea of maturity. God wants us to mature, he wants us to grow in our faith. Now I want you to go, if you have your Bibles, to Proverbs 18, verse 21. It'll be on the screen if you don't. This is going to be the verse that is going to help us close out this series and really uh, help us negotiate the the, the items that we want to deal with this morning. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says this, Death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruits. This morning as we continue on in our series, Meat Eaters, I want to speak to you from the subject, the mouth of a meat eater. As we look at maturity in our mouth, would you pray with me just one more time? Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that it's alive, that it's active, that it's powerful. That through your word you challenge us, you shape us, you change us. But ultimately we experience your presence and your grace in and through it. It's through your word that we see your heart for every single one of us. The love that you have for every single one of us. So Father, this morning I pray that we would experience that, know that. Feel that this morning in Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody said, "Amen." Uh, if you didn't know, this dude over here, our our worship pastor and our youth pastor, is my younger brother uh, by about four years. I love this man with everything that is in me. Uh, we've been doing ministry with each other for a really, really long time. We're kind of like a package deal. We go where each other goes. It's just, you get one, you get the other. That's kind of how it goes. Um, I love I love my brother. I love doing ministry with him, and uh, he's insanely talented and and, and gifted. And um, but. I texted him last night, and I said, hey, do you mind if I tell this story, because it just sets my message up perfectly, and he said, he knew what the story was, and he said, yeah, for, for sure, so, um, don't hold this story against him, just in, just in advance, so, it would have been when we were young, young children, we were walking with my dad through the mall, and uh, we went and got some ice cream, and uh, how many of you love ice cream, I like ice cream, I, there's been a lot of food in this series, I've been talking about food a lot in the series, I don't know what it is, so, uh, I think Cinnabon steak and now ice cream, so, uh, we're getting somewhere, and so, uh, we're, we're getting ice cream, and we both got our, our cones, and uh, you know, they loaded up pretty good, soft serve ice cream, and so we're walking down the mall, Justin's on one side of my dad, and I'm on the other side of my dad, and I start going for my ice cream, just, ah, just tearing into it, because man, what kid doesn't love ice cream, and so I'm eating mine, and all of a sudden, Justin goes to lick his ice cream. And uh, for some reason, whoever put the ice cream on Justin's cone failed to really get it in the cone. You know, like like a good ice cream maker gets it in the cone so nothing can happen. And so Justin goes, tongue out everything. He goes to lick it. And as he licks it, the ice cream tips over off of his cone, falls to the ground, splat everywhere. And the minute his ice cream hit splat, all of a sudden, Justin goes, oh, F. This is your youth pastor. <laughs> and my dad stood there. In shock. And I was like, this is awesome, man!" Right? <laughs> Couldn't believe it. I mean, it was, the, it was the best thing I've ever seen, right? Like, this is kind of how it went in fast motion. Ice cream, cone, cone. Walking with dad, mmm, so good. Ha, uh, splat, F. And my dad's trying to push Justin. Is that my kid, whose kid is this, right? <laughs> have you ever said something, and as it rolls off your tongue, you wish you could pull it back in, <laughs> right? Come on, has something ever come out of your mouth before, and as it came out, you wish, man, I wish I could have that back? I think we've all been there at, at one moment or another. And you ask yourself this question, the minute it comes out of your mouth, why did I just say that? You ever been been there before? We've all had those those moments. And many times I've found that in those moments we follow up then with, well, it's not that big of a deal. They're They're just words. But the Bible's teaching us that they're more than words. The Bible's teaching us that literally our mouths, our words, they yield life and death. Our words are powerful, the Bible teaches us. And I think we've all been there at one point or another where something said brought life or death, maybe to your day, maybe to your month, maybe to your year, or maybe this morning you're sitting here and you can think about some words that were spoken over your life that have literally brought destruction for the entirety of your life, and you're still dealing with them, or maybe you're in a great position where you've had amazing things, but words have built you up, and you are a product of great words spoken to you. Either way, we have all experienced the power of words, to one degree or another. And that's what I want to deal with this morning. I want to deal with our words. I want to deal with our our mouths, because at the end of the day, as we close out this series, I think one of the greatest Marks of maturity that we can have on our life is how we handle this thing right here. How we handle our mouth. Last week, if you, if you were here or if you weren't here, we dealt with this issue of the anatomy of a, of a meat eater. And I dealt with the, the ears, I dealt with the eyes, I dealt with the hands, and I, and I dealt with the feet. And for some of you, you might have caught on, you and what about the mouth? Somebody told me after the, after the second service, they were like, yeah, uh, a friend of mine was with me and he said, oh, pastor chickened out on the mouth thing, and then he didn't show up today, and I'm talking about the mouth, right? Because I could do an entire series on this issue, but our mouth is a powerful, powerful instrument. The Bible teaches us some very significant things about our words, our mouth, and I want to I go through those really quickly, and then we've got some practical application, and then we're going to land this plane. The first thing that the Bible teaches us about our, our words, our mouth, is this, is that words create words create listen to genesis chapter one verses one through three in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters and god said let there be light and then watch what happens and there was light isn't that awesome god said and then there was God said, let there be light, and there was light. He separated the heavens from the earth, the waters from from the land. He put the stars in the sky, all by what? His word. The Bible tells us that his word holds things, everything together. That is a powerful, powerful mouth. What's it teaching us? The Bible teaches that we're made in the image and the likeness of God. The Bible just told us that life and death are in our, our mouths. What's it mean? That there's power to our words. There is power to our words, and the first thing that our words can do is they they can create. Now, maybe you're not creating light, separating the waters, building the universe and everything contained within it. Maybe your words can't do that this morning, but they can create an atmosphere in your homes and in your relationships. Come on, they create the outlook of our day, our month, or even our year. They create the future of our children, and the pattern for our marriages, and the impact of our Churches let me ask you this question this morning: What are your words creating today? What are your words creating today? I got a little daughter. We find out on Tuesday what our third and very last child is going to be. <laughs> I love my daughter. I want a daughter. I want a, I want a second daughter, and uh, because I want to be that dad. You know what I mean? Like I want to be the dad that protects his daughter and shapes his daughter and guides his daughter. I, want, I, I, I speak those things over my daughter. I tell her every day, you're so beautiful. You're so gorgeous. I'm setting the pattern for life. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to create confidence in her. I'm trying to create this idea and concept of who she is and who she's been created in Christ to be. So that way when Joe comes around and Joe steps up to bat, she knows who I am and what I'm about. And they ain't putting nothing on this thing right here. Why? Because she's confident in who she is. So I tell her she's beautiful. You will never marry. You will always live in my house. Those are the things that I tell my child. Words create. The second thing that words do is word shape word shape, they don't only only create, but they shape. Listen to Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. Building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. This idea of building up literally means to, to shape, like when shaping clay, the process of adding and molding to produce a desired outcome and product. Think about that for a moment. What are your words shaping? See, this is different than creating. They're two very different issues. Shaping is what we do with that which has been created. Think about that. Shaping is what we do to that which has been created. So in other words, maybe we've had something said over our lives, positive or negative. But let's take a negative, for instance, and we allow that thing to then be created in our life, and then the words that we use and allow into our lives is the thing that continues to shape that which has been created in our life. That's a powerful image to see. Because some of us have been spending years shaping what has been created by somebody else's words or by our own words and not shaping that which Jesus has put in us. What are you shaping? What are you shaping with your words? There's another way of looking at this idea of shaping is maybe reinforcing. What are you reinforcing with your words? The third thing that the Bible tells us our words do is they direct our words create the shape and they direct James chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 a lot of scripture because i want you to see what the bible's saying about this issue not many of you should become teachers my brothers for you know that we who teach will be judged with stricter with greater strictness it's like a pastor's most favorite piece of scripture right there <laughs> for we all stumble in many ways and if anyone does not stumble in what he says he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Think about that. Your words, your mouth direct your life. What are you directing today? What are you directing this week? What have you been directing this week? Here, The idea that James is trying to present is that our words, though seemingly small, carry great strength, and they will direct your life and the lives of others around you. We can never underestimate the direction that the smallest of words can send our lives in. Have you ever had a small thing make a really big deal in your life? You ever had a small word make a really big deal in your life? I think we've all been there at some point or another. That is the power of our words. So they create, they shape, they direct. What's the last thing that they do? Our words, the Bible teaches us, they reveal. They reveal. Luke chapter 6, 43 through 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. Watch what the Bible says right here. This is amazing. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. In other words, the pattern of my mouth reveals the disposition of my heart. Did you hear that this morning? The pattern of my mouth reveals the disposition of my heart. Heart. That day we found out what was in Pastor Justin's heart. little four-letter word. It was a big word. It was a bombshell. (laughs) But have you ever heard what was in somebody's heart because they opened up their mouth? Right? It's kind of like that age old adage, like, if you want to know what's in a man's heart, smack him on the hand with a hammer. You'll quickly find out. Right? Or if you want to know what's in a man's heart or woman's heart, I'm talking to all of us in here. This is, this is not gender specific. All right, This is to all of us. If you want to really know what's in somebody's heart, cut them off in traffic. If you want to know what's in a person's heart, slow down their Wi-Fi. Game over. The hearts of people in Starbucks have gone bad all across our nation. Words... Reveal. I know there's been moments in our marriage where I'll talk surface level with my wife, and because I don't want her to, I don't want her to be let on to what's really going in. And my wife, she calls it for what it is. She's she's very sharp with me, and she's like, "What's really going on?" And 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 I'll open up my mouth, and it reveals my heart. Have you ever been scared by what comes out? Like, have you ever startled yourself before? Like, yeah. Whoa. Stuff comes out. Why? Because our heart reveals. Our mouth reveals what's really going on in our heart. You see, words create, they shape, they direct, and they they reveal. And so what I thought would be appropriate for this this morning is knowing all of that, I want us to take a look at three commitments that we need to make this morning. If we're going to be the type of people that create, shape, and direct in a way that brings life and grace to the people around us. If we're going to mature in our mouth, three commitments that I want us to make as a church this morning. You guys with me? All right, I need everybody to shout. Number one. Number one, first thing we need to do, first commitment we need to make is we need to commit to making encouragement the brand of our life, not the trend of a moment. Yeah. We got to commit to making encouragement the brand of our life, not the trend of a moment. Come on, anybody remember fanny packs? Hypercolor t-shirts? I lived in California back in the day, and we had those hats with the, like, the thing coming off the back. You guys remember those? And those were Amazing. And you were like, you were top shelf. You were the dude, if you would walk out, hyper-colored t-shirt, right, bowl cut with the hat coming off the back, fanny pack kicked to the side. And Reebok pumps. I actually have a fresh pair, never worn Reebok pumps sitting in my closet because I don't want them to see dirt. Like, they're just amazing. They bring me back to the 80s. Like, that is just like, oh, this is awesome. Right? Do you remember, you remember these fads, these, these trends? Thank God we don't wear that anymore. Like I praise him every day, right? And every time I see a fanny pack, I'm like, there's one, lightning, go, now, do it, right? I was at the Sportsman show yesterday with my father-in-law, and this guy was selling fanny packs. Oh, mind you, he put camo and tactical stuff on it and said we could have put a gun in it. But I'm like, bro, it's still a fanny pack. I don't care what you do to it. <laughs> trends, do you remember trends? Trends are amazing. I don't know how many of you are like in my age, but you remember Jankos, yeah, Big corduroy flared Jankos, right? Bell bottoms? Eight track tapes? Yeah. Go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trends. Trends. We've all, we've all been a part of trends. We've all felt, fallen prey to, to trends. But I wonder if encouragement is the brand of our life. Or just the trend of a moment? Are you an encourager when the people closest to you are not? Is my encouragement based on the highs and the lows of my mood. Because if it's a trend, it will be. But if it's a brand of your life, it doesn't matter what's going on. I will always be the person that speaks life. I will always be the person that encourages. Why? Because it's the brand of my life. See, Nike and Coke and many of these other brands, their brand has, has stayed. It's, it's fought the test of time. And it doesn't shift and it doesn't waver. And I wonder if we can be the type of people that no matter what's going on in our life, we are encouragement people. No matter our moods no matter our disposition no matter the situations in life i'm gonna speak encouragement is it the brand of your life or is it the trend of a moment you see i pray this is who i am for the people in my lives. i want my life to be such that when i have an off day i can still be the guy who encourages loves and lifts up may i ask you this question this morning what is the brand of your life is encouragement the brand of your life, or is it just a trend? Is it just a trend? Everybody shout number two for me. Two. Number two. The second thing, the second commitment we need to we need to make this morning is we gotta commit to praising potential rather than problems. Come on, that's a good spot to say amen. We gotta we gotta commit to praising potential rather than problems. It's amazing how much power we give to the problems that we face rather than the potential before us. Yeah. Have you ever noticed we're really good at praising our problems? Aren't we? Like, we praise them all the time. We talk about our problems and we deal with them. And I'm not talking about being fake people. I'm just wondering if we can alter our commitment. Instead of saying, I'm going to praise my problems, uh, I'm going to praise my Jesus in the midst of my problems. And that way my problems start to, well, they dim a little bit in comparison to who this great, great God is in my life. Are you praising your problems or are you praising the potential? I love Paul and Silas in, in prison. One of my most favorite stories in the Bible. They're a prison of all places. And let me tell you prison back in those days was not prison like it is in these days. Like, I've never been to prison, just so you know. <laughs> I've seen some pictures on the internet. <laughs> But at the end of the day, um, there's some safe assumptions and knowledge that we can we can we can go with here. And so Paul and Silas—they're they're they're in deep, man. They are dealing with it. They're shackled up. They're 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 uh, they're bound up. They're in prison, uh, more than likely without food. More than likely, haven't been beaten as they're in prison because that's just what they did to Christians then. And it would be easy to assume as we get to zoom in on this story in Acts that we're going to see Paul and Silas crying. Oh, we've been there before. Oh, I'm in prison. Silas, we're in prison. What do we do? Cry about it. Got no destiny now. I don't got food. My Wi-Fi's missing. (laughs) Cry about it. Shackled up. But when the Bible zooms in to their predicament, it gives us a very different story. It's interesting what the Bible tells us. This is about midnight. Paul and Silas, they started whining. Nope. Don't say that. Oh at midnight, they started praising. Yeah. Spirit of God, <laughs> fall fresh on us <laughs> Oh my gosh, take that from me. <laughs> Break the thing. <laughs> I got five. <laughs> Says they weren't whining, they weren't complaining, they were praising, yeah. and they were worshiping. And all of a sudden, the prison started to shake and it started to rattle. And the Bible says that their chains were loosened and doors flung open because they were worshiping and praising God. And sometimes, like, look, worship was strong this morning. I get that, and I can I can understand that we can come into a place and these guys are jumping around, worshiping, doing their thing. But come on, some of us have walked in this morning with a little bit of a prison that we found ourselves in. Our lives have been shackled. Our addictions are getting us. Our fear is overwhelming us. And Sometimes I just need a little praise in my life to start breaking some things loose. I don't need to praise my problems. I need to praise my Jesus. I need to praise him. This is what praise and worship is. If I can teach you about praise and worship, praise is this. I'm going to clap, although I don't want to, because I hate life right now, and it's not going good. But I'm going to clap, and I'm going to sing this song. I don't know what the song means, but they're clapping, so I'm going to clap. And I'm thanking God for what's going on. And I'm going to watch the miracle happen, and then it shifts. The mood changes. The worship lights go down, and all of a sudden we start to worship. So I've praised Him for my problems, and I said, God, you're going to change my problems, and now I'm worshiping him for my thank you. I'm worshiping him for my thank you. So I praise my way out of the problem, and I worship him for the miracle. See, some of us need to start to praise. Let me tell you something. Your problems can't handle praise. Your problems can't handle the praise. And that's what Paul and Silas were teaching us. They're in prison. Praising. Praising. This is not an age thing. It's not a demographic thing. It's not a young thing or an old thing, a youth thing or a this thing. It's not a church thing. It's not a this thing or a that thing. This is a Christ follower thing. And when I start facing my problems, i got to learn to praise my way through them and worship Him for the outcome. So We've got to commit to praising potential rather than problems what are you praising today what problem are you praising what situation are you lifting higher than Jesus think about this storms raging another story in the Bible storms raging disciples in their boat Jesus is asleep he's asleep sleeping I picture him snoring, because I just want to see Jesus snoring. It'd, be, it'd just be awesome. So he's sleeping, bottom of the boat. The storm kicks up, and it's raging. You ever been in a storm before? And the boat's shaking. Now previously, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. He said, let us go to the other side. So he goes. I know where we're going. So he goes to sleep in the boat. Storm comes. Disciples are freaking out. They go down, and they wake Jesus up. They wake him up. Like one thing you should, thats Bible College 101, don't wake up the Savior. All right? That's like straight out the gate. But they wake him up. Jesus is like, what are you doing? There's a storm. Don't you care? We're gonna die. And I have a picture of Jesus walking out, kind of stumbling because he just woke up. He's tired. Storm, be quiet. He walks back away. His disciples are amazed. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey Him, all He did was speak and the storm ceased. See the disciples were busy praising the problem instead of the Savior that was sitting in their boat. How often do we miss Jesus in our boat because we're so focused on praising the problem out in front of us? got to commit to praising potential rather than problems and the third one is this last one number three we got to commit to a confession that is shaped by conviction not the crowd matthew chapter 16 verses 13 to, through to 20 now when jesus came into the district of caesarea philippi teens i want you to listen to this this morning please he asked his disciples who do people say that i am they said some say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" And Simon Peter, the teacher's pet, jumps in as quick as he can and he says, "You're the Christ." Son of the living God and Jesus answered and blessed are you Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven and I tell you you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it watch this this is amazing verse 19 and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind that's a mouth issue on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Why would Jesus do that? Why would he tell them, don't say a word? I'm backing away from the Bible a little bit, but this is how you kind of I kind of read into things a little bit. I just wonder that Jesus tells them to test whether their confession of Jesus was based upon conviction or the crowd. See, because when you're convicted by something, when you have a strong conviction, you speak it everywhere you go, don't you? I mean, you shout it from the rooftops, we talk about all our things. Right now, March Madness. People have convictions about their team. They will cut a brother over another team. People feuding and fighting over their teams. I rep this team, who do you rep? Like, What is happening to our world? But what is it about? It's conviction. Wonder, wonder what our conviction is about Jesus. Is it shaped by the crown? Or by the crowd. Because right now we're living in a world that's trying to shape our confession of Jesus. It's trying to shape what the church is going to look like and who she's going to be. There's a lot of shaping and molding trying to be done right now. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. My conviction is based upon who I know Jesus to be in my life. My conviction is based upon the fact that I know where I used to be and I know where I am now. I'm not where I want to be, but he's in the midst of it. My confession is based on the fact that I've seen him do amazing things. And I look back and he saved me from dark and broken places. Oh, what a wretched man I used to be. But amazing grace, how sweet the sound. my conviction wonder why i shout why i get excited it's because i gotta say it like jeremiah i got this fire shut up in my bones i gotta let it out why because it's a conviction is your conviction based upon the crowd or the crowd let's put it this way is your conviction based upon the cross or the crowd Church, as we mature in our faith, our mouth is the leading edge of our life. My question for us this morning, is, what does is your mouth say? What is your mouth creating? What is it shaping? What is it directing? What is it revealing in your life? Can I just do quick like PS on this message? Facebook is your mouth. Twitter is your mouth. Instagram is your mouth. I think a lot of people have separated this now. Well, at least I didn't say it. No, we just got technically advanced in how we say things now. What's your mouth saying? What is your mouth saying that reveals what your heart is doing? My challenge for all of us this morning, that we would allow our mouths to bring praise to the one who saved us. That he would be the focal point in our lives. In Jesus' name, come on, would you stand up?